0: This is Pucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell.
1: Hello, 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 Bolts fans. Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, a brand new Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town, and I think we're getting pretty close to that, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games, practices, storylines of your favorite players, and coaches multiple times a week. So be sure to download that Odyssey app just to make it as convenient as possible. So that you have those brand new Pucks and Bolts episodes waiting for you, but you can also stream Pucks and Bolts on any of your favorite streaming platforms. Guys, it's late. Uh we got Pucks the Bolts, Bolts in this West Coast. Edition. Swing, yeah. Right. I'm Casey Hudson. i going to get weird. up late by Kaylee Mizell. And I think we both hit delusional, but excited.
0: Yeah. No, wait, for sure. It's going to get a little weird tonight, but it's going to be fun. Absolutely. And I hope everybody's along for the ride. That was uh, not to, you know, I know we have an order of events, but Casey coming off a, a hot wind just now. I was nervous that they were going to go to overtime and then Hagel comes through. Got a lot more to say about that kid. Thank he has just bagel. been on fire for the lightning this year, but, uh, really fun to see this West coast swing and really good to see these bolts bounce back. And so Mm -hmm. I, I, again, I know there's an order of an event, but I'm, I'm just going to say this off the top. The Bolts really like it whenever they have back to back games, especially if they lose that first game, because it's a chance for them to come out and respond. They mm-hmm. do not like having a loss hanging over their head for very long. So the fact that they were able to come out, respond like they did uh, against the Ducks after falling, you know, 4 2 to the Kings, it, it was really, really helpful. And on that note, well, mm-hmm. I guess we got to get into the first game. The Lightning travel out to California on Monday, and they have a game against LA on Tuesday. And Casey, it it wasn't a terrible game. In fact, John Cooper even said after the fact that he really liked the first like thirty minutes of play, and it was Mm -hmm. just kind of that midpoint in the second period that the team started just getting lax in some of the the things that they know how to do and some yeah. of the things that they normally do, um and that we've seen them do in in the winds these last few few days. Um, but they really started getting lax in some of those areas. Um, and the Kings were able to take over and take advantage in a way that you normally don't see. You normally don't see four goals, get up on a guy like Andre Vasilevsky. but your initial reaction to the four and four Kings winning four, two over the now three. And well, I guess it would be four and four lightning as well.
1: Yeah, they're, they, they have hit that, that, that little mark now that they can check off their <laughs> list, but, um, brain, my brain cells are coming to me as we are digesting this. Uh, but hundred mm-hmm. percent Kaylee, you were right. And I think a big part of it is something that you and I discussed on the previous pucks and bolts episode is that when they don't get that fast start and while they played well, they still were chasing the game because they didn't score first. Now they yep. did, they did level things off in the first period. Thankfully, what I've noticed in these back-to-back games, uh, not to get too much into the next game, but what I noticed um, a little consistency is that they were kind of letting up in that second period. So it wasn't the mm. third period let up that they were having. It's the second period where they have allowed teams to get back in the game or take over the game or where they start chasing the lead or um, their lead gets minimized. So yep. In that, what I will say that I noticed the most was the fact that they had a pretty good first period and um, some of those line changes started to look good at first. But then I think that the communication just started to lapse over time as they got into the next 20 minutes of play there because the Kings, when it comes to statistically, you know, they loaded up on them on hits. They had 28 to their 16 hits by the end of the game and there wasn't many giveaways. That's what made this game so so good for the bolts. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they only had two takeaways to the Kings 11 and the 11 takeaways were in crucial areas. A lot of that was in their ozone while they were generating momentum. And then, you know, the bolts were able to make a big play there. Uh, but then 20 block shots, 22 block shots, 10 minutes across the board for both these teams in the penalty box. So mm-hmm. a big part of it for them is that the last two games, their face-off percentage has taken a dive. That mm-hmm. success that they started to build mm-hmm. in the circle yep started to kind of dwindle down a little bit. So it was letting up in the second period, but it was also kind of losing some of that face-off success that they started building over the previous weekend, now heading in, um, snapping that 10-game winning streak in L.A., which was just so tough. We just talked about how there's just something about Los Angeles um, and those problematic players that I had mentioned beforehand. You know, they were a key, key little – Salt in the wound, if you will, for for these yeah. Bulls players. uh, It was Kempe that, that that put the nail in the coffin at the end of that game for them, and it was Dano that opened the scoring.
0: Yeah, and I'm Casey. You hit the nail on the head with a few things there. Faceoffs, they they did not play as well in you know near the dot, and it's very very weird to see this kind of play out of a guy like Steven Stamkos, but he was only twenty five percent. Right. In the face-off circle in that Kings game. So very, very weird and a rare thing that you don't – because Stephen Samkos is <laughs> very, very good mm-hmm. uh, usually and statistically and historically – um, at face he, he's one of the best on the team historically at it. And I would still go as far, to, as far as to say that he just had an off night. And again, whenever you're not winning those faceoffs, it's, it's, it's hard because even you're both chasing the game, literally whenever the team, Kings taken a, a lead, but then you're also chasing the game, um, you know, in, in action as well, because, You don't have the puck. You don't have the advantage of having the puck and directing it and controlling where things are going. So that's a, that's a pretty big disadvantage, um, as, as the bolts, look in that game. Um, But Casey, that second period is something I want to hone in on for a second, Mm -hmm. because that's where they let up two goals. So they're, they're matched up with the Kings fairly well. Um, You know, they're, they're able to respond and Brandon Hagel is, is the response for the lightning in that first period. So uh, ties up the game one, one going into the second period. um, The Kings score, and make it 2-1 on a power play. Mm -hmm. Um, But then just, you know, eight minutes later, they make it a 3-1 game. Um, And then uh, going into the third period, they score again before the Bolts are able to respond. And so they had three goals that the Bolts didn't have an answer for until very late in the third period, and that was Nikita Kucherov. Brandon Hagel and Nikita Kucherov with those two goals. So good to see that. That first line is still producing, which is I'm a good really thing. Really gelling now. They, they truly are. Brandon Hagel, a huge part of that. And we're going to dive deeper into his game. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few things that I'm seeing in this game, which ha- has happened to this team historically, is they haven't always had good second periods. A, a second period, a lot of times, you look at the last few seasons for this Bolts team and specifically in the regular season. They've really let up in the second period, and that's what we saw in this situation. um they they really kind of let up defensively. um they they didn't play as sound of a game in the second period. The four check wasn't as strong in the second period. So a, a a lot of things really hurting them in that second period, not, you know, yes, the face offs, but it's not just the face offs. it's it's all of the things that they were doing in the Mm -hmm. first period that they just kind of fell a little bit short-sighted on in the second period. Um, And, and getting again, you know, whenever you have, whenever you have a team that is playing, you know, like the Kings are playing and, and, and especially kind of coming out hot in that second period, you have to respond and you can't let it get a little bit out of control. Mm -hmm. And, and unfortunately that's kind of what happened. So Mm -hmm. the Kings were able to come back and respond early in the second period, and then and then things got a little bit more out of control with those two other goals, one later in the second and one in the third. And, and it was really hard for the Bolts to rebound from that. Um, mm-hmm. And and Casey, just wondering your thoughts on, because it's not a case, in my opinion, of, uh, you know, of, of Andre Vasileski, but it is a case of both the forwards needing to do a little bit more forechecking Um, And the defense, again, they're still kind of figuring things out. I think that they're starting to mesh together and gel together. I think we're beginning to see glimpses and glimmers of that, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but there's still some work to be done here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, Um, glad you asked that actually, because something that I was going to revert back to is our conversation for, uh, the pucks and bolts after skate, talking Mm -hmm. about some of the things that coach Cooper was hammering out in that last practice before they flew out West. And it was that communication and minimizing Mm -hmm. the gaps between the lines. Now we saw him, you know, kind of throw a kink in the lines there and switch things up. If you will, um, heading into this game, we discussed those lines prior to that and, it just seemed like they started off with an understanding and doing that pretty well. And then they just weren't so consistent with it in terms of communication because they were almost set up by the Kings to execute multiple times. There was two key giveaways by the Kings in the D zone where they, the, 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 the bolts were right there with an opportunity to score. Um, so while their, their shots on goal maybe have not, weren't as, as loud as the LA Kings were, they were put in an opportune moments to actually execute and, and shoot with intention. So it's some of that hesitation that they t- have a tendency to have. It's some of that overpassing that they have a tendency to have. And, um, some of those miscommunications and just very untimely parts of their game and i think that's something that started to happen in the second period there because again to have 11 giveaways the la kings had 11 giveaways and Mm -hmm. to not completely capitalize on those opportunities that's that's not a lack of you know abilities that's not a lack of skill that's not a lack of drive speed or any of the other things it's just an inopportunity like a shortcoming of executing um, and shooting with intention. We've seen that this team won both games this previous weekend, not because they out- outshot their opponent. It's because they shot with intention. Then they started to land yeah. some goals there. So I think that some of the things that they were practicing just kind of got a little lucid in that second period there um, when it came to the Kings. And as we mentioned before, in the previous pucks and bolts episode, reviewing that Kings game, Physicality and speed, they might not have been the fastest team out there, but they did apply the physicality of the 28 hits to the 16 hits. And the guys that we mentioned that we're going to try to fluster them did that, you know, Eric Chernak gets into it with Brandon Lemieux. Lemieux was yeah. on a couple of guys and you know, the commentators even said it, this guy's not afraid to drop the gloves and and, and get under your skin. And he tried to do that. He got under Chernak skin. It was costly for both teams. Um, and then it was Kempe, you know, this kid, I, not kid this guy <laughs> people, get, people get so frustrated when we call them kids but yes i'm older than half of this hockey team uh both teams but you know uh Kempe, he just has a way of of making sure that he is getting the puck on his players on his teammate's stick, and you know, as soon as he gets the puck to them, they're executing, they're ripping that shot, they're making sure they're not wasting any time in between. So it's it's the disconnect of when to shoot, how quick to shoot, communicating with those lines, minimizing the gaps in between those lines, because um, that's something that we actually saw start to happen in the second period, top of the third period of this next game that we're going to dive into here shortly, they just started creating a lot of space on the ice, and they started playing in a a largely open formation, rather than those tight lines that force them to communicate and allow them to hear one another as they're working up and down the ice, so I think they learned some good lessons from the Kings, Yep. Um, I think the poetic justice of it was to lose 4-2 and then to pivot and conquer 4-2
0: Yeah, there's truly some poetic justice in that Uh, but I really like the fact that You mentioned some of the advice that we gave and some of the strategy that we gave, which was, hey, don't give in to this team. Don't stay out of the penalty box. And -hmm. for good reason, because uh, while neither team was overly efficient in special teams, special teams is definitely an area that let them down in the Kings game. Both the penalty kill by allowing uh, a power play goal for the Kings and the, the power play for the lightning because they were over four on the, Mm -hmm. on the power play and had previously started having some success on the power play. And now again, Casey, we've talked before, this isn't something that you can rely on. You can't hang your hat on the power play because it is something that's going to ebb and flow and it's going to get hot and there's going to be dry seasons. However, this is a team that's good enough to be able to execute on the power play, and they should be able to execute fairly regularly on it. So with four chances, I would expect them to at least capitalize on one of those chances. Yeah. They didn't. And that was also something that, you know, just not taking advantage of. Uh, similar to, Similarly to what you were saying about the giveaways and the fact that the Kings had 10 giveaways, you know, you can't not take advantage of that. Similarly, you have four opportunities on the power play. You have to make those count. You have to take not just a bunch of shots, but opportune, timely shots. And again, we're going to get into the game tonight, but something that I saw tonight that I did not see in the Kings game was some of the screens that Mm -hmm. this team set up getting out in front of the goalie's eyes. That's something that they did not do yesterday, or at least Mm -hmm. they didn't do it well enough, um, you know, because those shots didn't land when, when they did take them. Um, and they didn't get as many shots on net, um, just 25 mm-hmm. to the Kings 33. So definitely some things to shake off there um, and, and, and some things to just think about because, again, this this team – they didn't do as well in the face-off. They weren't as good communicating. It's just one of those things where they're going to have to get into a better routine mm-hmm. and really iron out the kinks of their game because they know how to play. It's just a matter of executing. And they executed for the first half of this game. They did not execute for the second half of this game. But, Casey... Before we get too far into the next game or, or into some of the things that we really want to talk about, should we do our cherry pickers or do you have a few more notes on this Kings game? Um, maybe just two more notes
1: and then definitely cherry pickers. I would say that I think something that worked against them was those missed opportunities started mm-hmm. to take some of the wind from beneath their sails and then... They like to have these energizer moments that kind of are, are pivotal turning points. The Bolts are really good at kind of having those pivotal moments in games, uh, in any period, honestly. And it was almost a pivotal moment with headman this beautiful goal. I watched it so many times. I mean, oh, on the turnaround rips the yes. shot it in, and then it gets called back. And I think that callback was just so defeating. And we've seen how that can kind of affect the bolt. Sometimes we know Alex Cloran is not a guy shy of getting goals called back. And he had to work through that, you know, yeah. little, little headspace containment that it throws you in so i think when that happened too that that was just kind of a an energy killer for these guys um not not being able to convert on on power plays something that you know kept them in games in the beginning of the season even though they weren't completely walking away with the w there so i think they just had too many moments um that just kind of killed their momentum uh yeah. killed what they were trying to build off of in, uh such inopportune moments because they did start well applying pressure in yeah. the second period and then just you know the let off that you and i have discussed so just had to give a little shout out there in terms of headman and that beautiful goal that i wish would have would have stayed clear but you know uh perry was a little too close there for call and they challenged it and pulled it back so yep but that didn't happen in this next game. We're gonna get into
0: after cherry pickers. So, Kaylee, I'm so glad you me. mentioned that because that that was a pretty big turning point in the game, and that was, yeah, a fabulous goal that it was hard to see called back. But we all know that that happens from time to time, and yeah, you know, Perry, if he's offsides, he's offsides, and so mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those things that you you have to mm-hmm. learn to deal with and and move forward. Um, but yes, getting into cherry pickers. So we might have the same one for this. Uh maybe. Sometimes you you, you pull out some Surprise. fun ones for me. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna I am going i got to go with Brandon Hagel. I think just his four checking game, the way that he's skating. Uh, I think he's the hottest guy on this team right now. Um, uh, mm-hmm. the fact that he has gosh, like three goals now, concluding tonight. Um in, it, it, in just three consecutive games, in just yeah, in just the last few games. Uh, it's, it's been really impressive. The fact that he's gelling, you just see this, you know, you see kind of the player that he is really come out and shine, um, his natural skill, his natural ability being that top line guy. Um, you know, he, he really is a very, very skilled player, athlete, and shot taker. And he's going to be scoring goals for this lightning team for quite some time. Um, and so it was really good to see him, um, you know, just get, 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 yeah, get back into the score column and continue to, to be successful there, have success with his line mates, with Nikita Kucherov, with Brayden point. Um, and, and yeah, even, even seeing, you know, Mikhail Sergachev get in the mix on, on, on that, uh, shot over to him. So, you know, it just really good to see Brandon Hagel. Uh, what a guy and uh, really, really like what he has done for the lightning this season and think that he has a very, very high ceiling when it comes to what he can do both on this team and in this league. Absolutely. And you and
1: I have been high on him since pucks and bolts started. And, you know, for the conversation sure.
0: maybe even started a little bit before
1: this season took off, but Yep, here I go, surprising you once more. Cause I mean, I've I've given I've given Hags so much love to um, have even before he started to do well. I knew I knew it was coming. You could just feel it. But uh for me it's gotta go to Nick Paul. Maybe Ooh. it's because like, like the conversation that I got to have with him in the locker room before, you know, the guys headed out west. He gave a lot of great insight and information, and then just kind of watching it roll out on the ice in the next few games. Um, Executing, yep, yeah, like he, he's somebody who knows what needs to get done. He executes. He holds himself accountable, and you know he's a he's an energizer bunny out there for this mm-hmm. one. He's 63% in faceoffs over the last two games, so he's leading this team honestly successfully when it comes to that faceoff circle. And yep. we know the importance of it. We've we've spoken highly of it. It's also the fact that when I did get a chance to talk to him in the locker room, uh, and that if if anybody saw the clip, it's kind of where he laughed because I was like, "Dude, I would be terrified as a goalie to see you coming at me," because he skates the way that he skates. He look he doesn't look as fast as he is but he's pretty quick when he starts taking off. You've seen him beat out a lot of players Um, when he gets his stick on the puck. uh, We saw it earlier in in the first period of of the game um, versus – I'm almost saying San Jose versus <laughs> the exactly. that they just completed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he just has this charge and this aggression to him. He's a really strong two-way player. He understands the importance of being just as good defensively as he is offensively. And he takes those risky shots that I would love to see maybe a few other players on the team. Yes. take. Um, so he almost had another buzzer beater uh, a goal there, and it didn't go in. Um, but charging the net, when he charges the net and he realizes that it's not going to be a successful setup, he knows how to leave the puck behind to see if anybody else is going to scoop it up. So very smart player too. So between mm-hmm. his face-off success and, um, you know, the assist that he's racked up and, um, just, you know, overall the player that he is and how he's contributing him in that center position. I love that line change, um, that they made yesterday. You and I talked about it on, a- on, on after skate, but you know, and it did translate into tonight's game.
0: Definitely. But
1: him in that center position, he's such a good orchestrator. There And he has the ability and the athleticism to really conduct, talk to his wingers, communicate, open it up, get back and forth, play a big north-south game, and kind of just be everywhere. So it's Nick Paul for me, um, really, really just ramping things up. And, you know, he he showed this team what he can do end of the regular season in playoffs, and he's starting to find that playoff mode now. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not concerned about this team's record because you're seeing development game by game in one area or another, and that's a good look.
0: That's that's really great. And one other thing, as we transition to to the exciting win, oh man, was it exciting? Uh, the lightning sitting at you know a tie game for much of the third period, uh, and then right towards the end of the third period, it's our guy Brandon Hagel who comes in scores makes it a 3-2 game. And of course, the guy that you just gave some credit to, Nick Paul coming in there on the empty net goal, putting it away 4-2, kind of making it a little bit harder for uh, for the Ducks to try to get anything done there late. Uh, but one of the things I loved to see from Nick Paul, and it happened after this game tonight, was that there was a little bit of chirping back and forth, and Nick Paul was not afraid to get up into the mix. So he oh, was... Up in those guys' face, um, even after the game, after the win, there was like something yeah. going on and he's like up there talking and he's the one, like some of the, other, you know, belly's there. Some of the other guys are just standing there. But Nick Paul is like actively yelling at a guy. Like, chirping, have you seen like, the
1: mic'd up thing of him from last season? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I probably oh have, God. but I'm
0: forgetting right now.
1: I was howling. He, he starts getting I forgot who he got into it with, but it was like the end of a period. And he's like, Oh, you won't even drop the gloves. How funny, how funny are you? And he just keeps saying it. Yes. And he keeps trying to get closer and closer to the guy. And he's like, Oh, Oh, you won't even drop the gloves. You're funny. You're funny. And that's all he keeps saying. He's pissing this guy off. But yeah. Oh, and I, I got a so to ask about that too. I'm like, you know, the physicality of it. And he's like, yeah. Oh, that's what I asked him. I asked him if anybody on the team inspires him to be that physical because yeah. for his position, it's not required She's if not you not expected. Quote, also. Yeah. yeah but he just has <laughs> he has this come actually mentality as if he's as if he's a d-man and he actually mentioned that um eric churnak's one of the guys that kind of inspire him because he puts his body on the line he's not oh, afraid totally. to muscle guys up and he's like you know when you see people doing that it's inspiring he's like a lot of guys on this team are willing to sacrifice their body so
0: to answer that question yeah he's not afraid to I, drop it. I thought to it, it was so fantastic did. at the end of the game today. Everybody's lining up to to give Moose some credit. Which, gosh, does he deserve some credit tonight? Played a great game. Um, such a great game. Seriously, we're again. We'll get into that in a second. But but <laughs> remaining on Nick Paul for a second, just love to see it. I thought it was it was hilarious and so great. Uh, but Casey getting into this four 2 win for the Lightning as they took down the Ducks. What uh, what really stood out to you? Because it was it, it, it was an impressive game, I think, overall for this lightning team. Um, and and maybe it didn't seem like it because it was tied for a significant period of time. Mm-hmm. But the lightning really did control a lot of this game um, throughout the entire 60 minutes.
1: Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that stood out to me initially was their response in the first period. Uh-huh. Um, as I said, this team typically doesn't love playing from behind. They do better when they get those faster starts. And what, yet again, you know, the Ducks got on the board first, and their response to it—they remained patient, um, and they didn't let that get them out of their structure. And the best part about this game is when you look at those scores, you know, you see consistency coming out of Brandon Hagel, but now you're seeing other guys, other names getting in that score column, which is fantastic because it was Mikhail Sergachev that opened the scoring tonight. And um, I said it episodes ago. So you guys are going to have to go listen to all the pucks and bolts episode on Odyssey. But um, when this team's defense gets involved offensively, magic happens. Yeah. I, and sometimes people are like, but what are you, No, what I mean is when you see them not only pushing the puck up but playing forward, getting behind the other opponent's net. Something just sparks with this team. Jernak had a very yeah. yeah, Jernak spent a lot of time in the Ducks' ozone today, and at one point you thought he was eventually going to get a goal in. Um, Yeah, he had some slippery slope things happening between the puck and his stick, but like still, you know, he he was very aggressive in their ozone, and so is Mikhail Sergachev, and he's actually really talented at that when he's not in his head or you know playing back so much so mm-hmm. to see him get involved in the scoring fantastic also to see him start doing that now early and in the first period uh Sergei's the kind of guy who typically will build off of those kinds of performances and you'll see him continue to build in that score column so it was just great to see other names in the mix uh Kucherov getting his second goal of the season but he's leading in assists I think he's at like three now um so again there's that ninja you might not see it by hearing his name every play but he's in there and he and he's constructing a lot of these plays that are going so well so um for me it was the fact that they responded well to the ducks getting on the board first they did not get out of their structure they did not get in their heads they applied a lot of pressure and this was a game up until maybe the last three minutes of the third period where they were leading in shots on goal so they were really applying the pressure um they had some really nice moments in the neutral zone in terms of creating turnovers, if you will. And Brandon Hagel, dude, he's he's a big part of that. He's so good at getting his stick on the puck and getting it away from other people and kind of picking their pockets a bit. And, you know, as soon as he does that, then it just gets that whole first line going. Or if they're middle of a shift change, it puts them in great positioning on the ice to just completely attack the other opponent. So you just saw a lot of quality turnovers, if you will. Um before it got a little messy in the second period in the neutral zone. But before that, you saw some really good work in the neutral zone. You saw them applying a lot of pressure to the Ducks goalie there um, early on in response to the Ducks getting on the board first. So that was my my initial thoughts. A lot of thoughts. Yes. We no, watched I-
0: this game, so it's like word vomit. I love it, and I love the energy. Uh, and, and there is a lot of thoughts. Uh, some of the things that I want to mention off of what you were saying about – you know, getting that defense involved. We saw some young defensemen get involved uh, yes. in in the in the score column as assists. Nick Pervix getting his first NHL career point um on the assist to Ms. Mikhail Sergachev, and then uh, Philip Myers getting also his first point as a lightning player um so really really great to see them get involved in the action as well and i think it's one of those things casey where it's like it 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 breeds confidence overall and Mm -hmm. i think it it, it's infectious so whenever you see a guy like mikhail sergachev getting involved You want to also get involved as that defenseman. You want to also lead in that kind of way. And again, going back to what John Cooper talked about and what we talked about in our game preview and an after skate, which we always give you guys updates. So be sure to follow pucks and bolts because that's where we give you. Uh, not just like exclusive video content, but it's but it's updates uh, about the games, about what we heard from practices, interviews, and so much more. So be sure to follow Pucks and Bolts Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but Casey, it's one of the things that we talked about. Whenever you're acting as one unit all together and you're mm-hmm. communicating back and forth, offense and defense, the forwards and the defensemen, then you're able to get more involved. And so the fact yep. that John Cooper talked about that and then we saw the execution in the game today and because of that execution we saw multiple defensemen get involved in the scoring so let's count it one two three four five defensemen getting points in tonight's game four different defensemen getting points one of them getting a goal that's a big deal. That's really how this Lightning team functions best. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do they have fantastic scorers, you know, like Steven Stamkos, who, who, who has one of the best one-timers? Of course they do. Do they have Corey Perry? Yeah. Do they have the Nick Pauls and the Brandon Hagels and the Kita Kutrovs and Brandon? They have a lot of scorers on this team. A hundred percent, but whenever they're able to get that defense involved, when the defense push that game forward and then are able to contribute from the blue line, it just adds something extra to the game that you can't replicate and, and, and it can't just be added from the forwards. And so getting the defensemen involved, I love that you made that point. Um, And they really, really showed it tonight. And again, it's, it kind of is a carryover from that communication. That's why they were able to get involved. That's why they're able to be so successful. Um, But Casey, I can't, I can't go any further without (laughs) talking about Moose because I spoke to Brian Mm -hmm. Elliott in the locker room a few days ago, Uh, Before they left for California and we got to talking one-on-one and he talked to me about the kind of player that he is the kind of performer that he is and he said that he wants to be a guy that you never have to worry about that that Mm -hmm. he doesn't want his teammates or his team thinking thinking about him at all he wants them to focus on their game and he said to me if they're thinking about the goalie then that's too much that's can be overwhelming I don't want them he was like the less they think about me <laughs> is,
1: the better. is better
0: um and that's how he played tonight I mean that like round house save that he had that like the whole third goes, period he really I dialed mean, it up the entire third period but that just saves specifically I mean that truly might be like the save of the year that I like and I'm and I'm saying that this early in the season and fans I know I'm saying that this early in the season and I still stand by it that was incredible he did a roundhouse kick on the <laughs> ice to block a puck from coming in and then stood pads. back got back in net like come on like agile efficient like all of the words just mind Fearless. boggling mind boggling um and you're right i mean the the entire third period right like he was on the the, the whole time that the ducks had their power play They got some good shots off. Don't get like they got some really good shots off, but Moose was there to stop them every single time. And that was just fantastic to see. He had a really, really excellent game. And if any of his teammates were worried or thinking about him, I think seeing that roundhouse kick on repeat (laughs) will put their (laughs) minds at ease. Brian Elliott, you do not have to worry. Your teammates have a lot of faith in you, especially after that.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that you mentioned that Kaylee because he does deserve a lot more credit and um, I remember when you were waiting to talk to him in the locker room and stuff and you just made a great point to let people know they need to acknowledge the fact that no one should be concerned when, you know, Vassi needs a restful night and it's time for Moose to be in the net. You know, the last time he had a great performance, anytime that his performance has quote unquote, not looked so well, it's because the defense hasn't played well in front of him. So, so glad that you mentioned that the roundhouse kick definitely needs to go absolutely viral. Um, just to give Moose that much more credit for his fearlessness and flexibility. Um, and kind of like Branching off of that into, you know, we talked about the defense kind of stepping up tonight and having a heck of a performance, but I think as a whole, what it came down to was that Cooper shuffle right before the game, all of a sudden lines going back into the blender. And I think it played off very well here. Of course, that first line is going to stay intact because they're just proving to really gel. Find chemistry. Hegel's uh, getting a great read on Nikita Kucherov. He's starting to get that feel of him without even looking up from his stick, um, which is something that can be very dangerous, especially now that Kuch is starting to find his his scoring his scoring rhythm. And so is Haggs, by the way. You know, um, so at top line staying the same. It's Stamkos moving from that center position out to left wing. Paul staying at the center. Kalorn over to the right. Um, there was a lot of plays that generated very well from that. So while you know. Everyone just expects Stammer to go off on that one timer or a show up in the power play. He was really setting up his players there. And Calorne started to get involved in the four check, which I think helped because of his positioning. Um and then Nick Paul, I really like him at that center spot. And then that, that third line. Um, I feel like I butcher this kid's name. Is it Kopka?
0: The I rookie think they, I think or they not the
1: rookie Kopka. Kepka. Okay. I knew I was saying it weird. Kepka sounds like way better. Um, yes. But Nemestikov moving to that center position and then Colton playing alongside him on the right. Why I love that so much is because the last preseason game, the only home preseason game that the Bolts had, you saw Ross Colton and Nemestikov really starting to gel and find uh, chemistry between one another. And Colton was an assist on one of um, Nemestikoff's hat tricks for the night. So, To circle back to that, not last minute, if you will, but just to kind of dial that back in and work that around some other things. And then Maroon Belly and Perry on the same. Perry and Maroon have, you know, had big moments together on that fourth line last season. So I think that that just did. Exactly. I think that that was that extra little. Maneuver to help them think Kaylee, you mentioned this so perfectly in after skate kind of putting them, putting them in these uncomfortable positions, forcing Mm -hmm. them to think a little bit more, but you just saw a lot of thinking out there not, you know, wayward thinking, but constructive and structured and strategic thinking, you know, Pat Maroon was a lot more involved tonight and it was him that drew that timely penalty in the third period that Brandon Hagel capitalized on.
0: So so many good things both got knocked
1: with those high
0: speaking calls, but, uh, but glad that it (laughs) paid off. no blood and teeth,
1: honestly. (laughs) But I think, I think a big takeaway from this, not only with the defense getting offensively involved is the fact that these new lines are, we're, they're starting to find their identity. And Mm -hmm. coach Cooper also mentioned, you know, this is probably one of the most, um, you know, new groups that we've had in years, beforehand they probably lost two guys got two guys but now this is this is where they've had to readjust the most in a while and so you know seven games in this is it's not a bad look and I think these lines are going to help start to carry over because you're seeing some consistency in where it's going to stick and I think tonight showed a lot and I think that they're going to have a great matchup versus the San Jose Sharks if they carry these lines over and you know, no matter who they have in goal, because as you said, no fear, you don't have to worry about Elliot and his roundhouse kick because he's going to be there to protect and set things up. And um, the last thing I think I'll really say about the this this win for them, this poetic four two win bounce back is that I got a chance to ask Brandon Hagel, actually, after the New York Islanders game, what's it like Adjusting from his role, you know, in Chicago and Kaylee, I think you chatted with him about this too. But I asked him, you know, have you had to be more defensive minded on that top line, or you know, are you working off of Kucherov and Point to find your scoring rhythm? And he said, in order to be a good player, I think you have to be defensive minded. Always having a good defense is going to help put you in position to help your line. Number one, number two, it's being in the right spot to score. Hagel is not that guy that's going to think too much about it. He shoots, he scores, and that's very helpful, especially on that top line, because you've got a magician in Nikita Kucherov who makes these very creative, impossible shots. If you will, you've got pointer. Who's Oh, reliable in a way, even though he's still so young. And now you've got Brandon Hagel, who's going to take these risky shots. Um, beautiful left-handed one knows how to clean up the garbage in front of the net because he doesn't let off. He comes full throttle at the net. He's still attacking until the play is over, if you will. So I'm just really excited about these lines. If you guys can't tell um, the defense getting involved and a lot of good things to build off of as they get ready to close
0: off this trip out West. Okay. Well, before we get into their final trip, we have to do our cherry pickers for the second game. And I'm going to have a sneaky cherry picker. Um, I haven't decided. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go with this guy. Sneaky that basic? No, it's not going to be basic. It's not going to be basic. <laughs> I think it's going to be kind of sneaky this time. Um and it's going to be Steven Stamkos. Ooh. Ask me why. Why, Kaylee, why? Well, because <laughs> on the Bolts first two goals, Steven Stamkos was there setting up some screens. He really Is that what you're going to say? No, that's not what I'm going to say. I'm saying from like the line change,
1: the whole nerdy conversation I just had.
0: So no, exactly. You set me up (laughs) perfectly because he was there. And so it it was Steven Stamkos taking his one-timer shots. No, but the fact that he was able to take away the goalies eyes. I mean, this guy had no idea those goals were coming. Not at all. Could not see them. Why? Because the guys were standing there right in front of the net, taking away his eyes, getting in his face, being timely and that way that allowed Mikhail Sergachev a lot of times, and Brian Ingbaum talked about it on, on the game cast, but a lot of times the goalie's gonna look inside. And so the fact that Mikhail Sergachev had the the wherewithal to know. I'm not going to go to the inside because he doesn't have eyes. I see what Stammer's doing. I'm going to go to the outside. And the fact that stammer had the wherewithal and the knowledge to set up that place, set up Sergachev in that kind of way, it, it, it was golden. I mean, it worked so well. And the same thing, uh, for, you know, when Nikita Kucherov was out on the ice, Steven mm-hmm. Samkos was also there and, and, and he really set up that screen so well, two fantastic screens by the lightning to set up those goals. They wouldn't have happened otherwise. And so he is my sneaky tree picker.
1: I love that a lot. And I'm actually really glad you mentioned the screens because who started to actually finally get back into the screening action was Alex corn. He mm, almost had a yep. shot at one point, a guy that we know loves to be there and, and get his stick on, Always on in the puck that final second. So yeah, if they start getting that back in action, maybe Stammer just led the way for something that we're going to see. Um, Pour into into the next game. I love the sneaky one. Um, I'm going to take Nick perfects for my cherry picker Mm -hmm. tonight. Um, He's just really starting to come into his own in in this system with the Tampa Bay uh, lightning. And what was great was the interview that he did. They kind of just touched back to what his role was as a defenseman when he was playing in Minnesota Saint cloud. Um, If you guys don't know, I randomly just know a lot of stuff about (laughs) Minnesota. I have visited there a lot, went to hockey expos in college, Very random. Um, So when he said St. Cloud, I about died because it really is just like a small little. But he is a defenseman that's collected a point at every game that he was on the ice. And I think that he is starting to find a way to step into that and translate, you know, the things that he did well in college into the NHL level. Um, So to walk away with plus one and an assist tonight he doesn't mind being physical as we mentioned on after skate bodying up Matthew Kachuk. Um, he has a great physicality in his game. He's not afraid to shoot. He likes getting that puck forward and he's matching very well with Sergachev. Also, you know, him having that assist with Sergachev, Nick Paul was in on it too with a nice little backhanded pass. So we're starting to find some rhythm, some chemistry here, but I think a guy like him can really step in and help this system out and contribute massively to a defense that needs the help and is still finding. Finding their identity without, you know, Bogosian in the mix quite yet losing McDonough and, you know, those key pieces that we've discussed a lot now, but I think he can actually, this might be a bold prediction, but he might come in and supersede the role of, you know, Jan Ruda and Luke Shin and these guys that kind of had, you know, not a lot of ice time, I think that he can really get up there and as Calfoot finds his footing Be careful because it might be perfect that that surpasses him or, you know, lights a little fire underneath him. So really excited to see how this kid continues to grow Mm -hmm. with the lightning. Um, But he's my cherry picker for this late night. I love it. Swing out West.
0: Late night, swing out West. And it continues. The lightning will have an off day. In L.A. tomorrow before they head over to San Jose. Probably get in a practice day or, or something. Get on the ice on Friday. And then have their game against San Jose on Saturday. Now San Jose is a team that KC only has one regulation win so far this season. Uh, they are 2-7-0. and oh, So only two wins on the season one of those wins being in overtime. This is a team that's really trying to find their footing, and they're really trying to to get out of this funk. So we know what it's like when desperate teams go up against the Lightning, and this is going to be a desperate team. Um, as uh, excuse me, as San Jose looks to take on the Lightning. Um, and I know that you have some problematic players for us to watch. I have one, so I'm interested to see who your problematic players are. Uh, and then of course, fans continue to follow us at pucks and bolts on Instagram and Twitter. That's at pucks and bolts. Uh, and we will have more updates as this game gets closer, but Casey hit me with your problematic players.
1: Ooh, this has become my favorite part. Not, not that I enjoy being right about this, but, um, Guys, I I've mean, been... you have been. <laughs> <laughs> I've been pretty right about it. Um, so first and foremost, there's three guys that I'm going to lead off with because they're their top shooters on the team. Not scorers, but shooters, which means they're giving their team an opportunity to score here. Mm-hmm. And it's um, Luke Kennick and Tomas Hurdle. These guys combined for 41 shots on goal. Uh, they know how to set up their team. And then when it comes to hurdle, he's also in that face-off circle and can be problematic there. We know that the guys have fallen short when it comes to face-offs the last two games, especially this game. Um, they were behind in face-off percentage in each period. So this is not something they want to carry over to San Jose because they will capitalize on that. And then it is Timo Meyer, 42 shots on goal. Now, while he has zero goals, he's creating a lot of opportunity for his teammates there. Um, So they're not going to be the most physical team. They're not going to be the fastest team. The two things that I always typically worry about when it comes to this bolts system. But if they create any gaps in their lineup, if they have turnovers, then this is a team that's going to make them pay for it. That's what I foresee thus far. Um, And then it also comes down to, oh, you've. I don't want to say his first name, Svechnikov. <laughs> Svechnikov is one of their bullets in that circle. It's at 83.3% is his face-off success. He's in for two goals two assists, four points plus one and 10 shots on goal. Svechnikov was a signing that they just came about um, very freshly here. So while he might still be getting his footing in their system, he's still not anyone that you want to underestimate because as Kaylee mentioned, Desperate teams, desperate situations, desperate wins tend to come about in that fashion. And then you don't want to forget about their defenseman, Eric Carlson, three goals, three assists, six points. Um, While he has kind of let up a little bit and been able to create opportunities for teams to score on him, he's still a very strong defensive man. And then I'm going to throw another problematic player in there, one I have not done yet specifically, but their goalie. Uh, Ramirez is 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 a tough goalie to go against um, he just had his 26 NHL shutout versus the Flyers and this is a guy that is going to make it very hard for you to get pucks in there so not only do they need to rack up on getting you know shots on goal they can't sit there and pass all day they can't be hesitant when it comes to shots they've got to kind of carry some of those creative moments from tonight's game versus the Ducks versus San Jose but I will say this in terms of my confidence Oh, not confidence, but my biggest concern. Uh San Jose has showed up the most in the second period. These past two games, we've seen the Bolts let up in the second period. So this is where they very much have to play three periods of hockey and make sure that they stay on top of these guys and don't let them get any sort of lead in the second period or it's going to be costly. So Svechnikov. Um, Fierro Lynn bloom. We know what he did over there with the flyers. He's coming in at three assists, 3.75% on the face-off. Um, Luke Cunnan, Tomas hurdle. It's Nico, um, Sturm That's going to be their top, 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 top guy. He's their leading, um, guy at the moment, four goals, four points plus one 59.4% in the faceoff. So while I've named off a lot of people, There's definitely five significant players that the Bolts need to be cautious of. If they can continue to play a strong defensive game like they did in many moments tonight, they can contain these guys because not one of them have a huge physical element to their game, if you will. They're just more sharpshooters, and um, if you keep them out of the Ozone, then they'll do well at minimizing their opportunities to get those pucks in, and it's probably, hopefully, maybe Vassie that we'll see back in the net as they close out this road trip, 4.30
0: on Saturday. No, it for sure will be Vassy, and I love what you said about those problematic players. Yeah, uh, Eric Carlson, the defenseman, that was who I was going to mention. He's got he's a guy that has three goals and three assists, so he he's not afraid to shoot. He's not afraid to get up into the mix, uh, mm-hmm. and definitely can kind of lend himself to scoring. Now, a line that this Lightning team might want to take advantage of is the Hurdle and Meyer line. Why you ask? Well, because they actually have three goals against and they've been the most stable line throughout the Sharks in their first eight games, because this is a team that has switched. You talk about throwing lines in a blender. They have thrown almost all of their lines in a blender at some point or another. They have a lot of different pairings, but that specific pairing has played together for five games. And over the course of those five games, they have no goals, goals for that line, but they have three goals against. So they are a line that you can get at. Um, and this Lightning team needs to know that while they do have some of the top guys on that line, uh, that they also are a line that you can um, you can get at, and you can really kind of take advantage of. So take advantage of that line and be on the lookout for some of the problematic players that we mentioned, but Casey coming off, you know, a bounce back win, it was great to see by the lightning. Uh, and of course, fans, you can catch all of this lightning information on at, hooks and bolts. Uh, it is a odyssey original podcast. And of course you can find it wherever you get your podcasts, but of course, download that odyssey app. Cause that's one of the best place places that you can find this podcast. Uh, and there, the podcasts come in hot and early. So be sure <laughs> to have it on the auto download button. So as soon as those podcasts are out, they go straight into your ears, uh, whatever you're doing grabbing your morning coffee, dropping off your kid at school, on your way to work, doing whatever you're doing, you want to stay up to date with the lightning. So be sure to download and subscribe to Pucks and Bolts. I'm Kaylee Mizell. You can find me at Kaylee Mizell. She's Casey Hudson. You can find her at the sports case. That's K-A-S-E. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 2400 sports is an odyssey company.